You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Before we get into anything today um, about football, about the Vikings, about the upcoming game, um, about the playoffs, um, about any of that, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about DeMar Hamlin. Um, Frankly, the game this weekend, the games this weekend, the playoffs, like, None of that matters right now. Um, I get it. The NFL is going to continue to go. Um, Yesterday, they basically, the NFL announced that the games would continue to go this Sunday. Um, But I think right now, the only thing people are thinking about is DeMar Hanlon. Um, 24-year-old safety for the Buffalo Bills suffered a cardiac arrest on Monday night. Um, It was something like I have never seen on a football field. Watching from home, you could tell right away um, this was not just a normal situation, a normal injury. Um, When they came out of break and you just panned in on Josh Allen's face or Stephon Diggs' tears or Trey White's face just looking in horror, um, you could tell right away this wasn't your average injury. Um, And as we know now, after nine minutes of CPR and an AED on the field, they were able to restart DeMar Hamlin's heart. He is now at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, um, still in critical condition. Uh, just a reminder, Tom, like how violent the game is, like how I think we take it for granted what these guys do on every Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whatever. Um, but they're humans at the end of the day. And I think this is a good, not so subtle reminder of like, this game's really, really dangerous, and and we just happen to watch it every week. Yeah, I was so I was at the Wolves game, and someone in front of me had the game on the TV screen silent, of course. And I saw it coming out of commercial, so I saw the players gathered around the ambulance, and like there's so many violent injuries in football, as you kind of allude to here, right? And you think of like how these players kind of compartmentalize. I believe like in high school, if a guy gets injured, they cancel practice Mm -hmm. in college. They just move everything 15 feet ahead and move on. And that's how they do it in the pros, right? It's an occupational hazard. You could break your leg, break your ankle. We know the concussions and what they can do to people. It's insane that like, we didn't know right away that they wouldn't continue on. Like to me, 
this is not an occupational hazard. This is a freak injury. And we're talking life and death and mortality of a 24 year old guy who before this was in peak shape. Um, and that was my initial concern. Like once I kind of realized what was going on is like, we've got to stop and realize what's happening here. You know, that, that he went into cardiac arrest, that he was in a ambulance and, and where he was brought to in the hospital, you know, that's, and, and that he remains in critical condition to this day. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we know how violent the sport is. We've talked about it, like indirectly the hits, like, cousins and justin jefferson take right or whatever or the injury like let's say brian o'neill sustained in that game or whatever this is just such a different magnitude and it's it's halting you know what i mean like you kind of stop and go this is something that we are all entertained by and talk about a lot and uh try to cover conscientiously and you almost have to reset that process when you're like oh my god a 24 year old kid nearly died playing a sport absolutely and i think like ESPN was in an impossible situation that mm-hmm. day. Um, you have to cover the story. You have to inform the public of what's happening, what's going on in real time. You're also tossing back to the studio with, you know, Susie Colbert and Booger McFarlane and Adam Schefter just sitting there having to riff. Um, but I think in those small moments, um, Joe Buck included, Lisa Salters, um, mm-hmm. Ryan Clark, you saw like, a level of humanity that I think sometimes is lost within this game, sometimes is lost within this profession. Um, seeing Lisa Salters like break down on the sideline, just talking about what she had just witnessed, like hearing Ryan Clark um, talk about, you know, the way that we talk about this game, the way that NFL players talk about this game is, you know, you're ready for war, you're ready to die on the field. And it's like, I, I think a lot of NFL players mean that like, and, and, and then this is a, an example of like, this isn't just, that's not just a cliche that, that people use. It's like NFL players understand that in order to live their dream, they have to like risk a nightmare like this. And I get it. This was a freak injury, freak accident, something that ha- has never happened before. Um, but I think you're right, Tom. It's a, it's a good moment of like pause to step back and realize like, these are human beings at the end of the day. Like this is not just a sport that we consume for our entertainment. And it took too long for them to postpone the game, but thank God they did. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was a a point in time where they started to warm up. And I think Joe Buck said five minutes to get ready, quote unquote, get ready. Um, And then they were going to continue to play. And then obviously Sean McDermott and, and Zach Taylor got together and basically sent their teams to the locker room on Monday night. I would hope that the NFL would have had some sense about them at some point to just say like, okay, we can't play this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, no doubt it took too long, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just glad that it wasn't something we're looking back on now. At like, how can we, how, how did we make those guys play the game? Um, because th- there's no way they should have. And, and it's, it's good that they didn't. Yeah. I kind of wonder, you know, it, it happened in such an isolated <laughs> way as in this is a Monday night game. They're highlighting, yeah. And obviously before the injury, people had placed a lot of importance, people around the nation, right? Not just yes, fans yes. of either team of this game. And I do wonder if it like, if it happens at noon, you know, like, like, is this something that like breaks into a game that you're watching? You know what I mean? And yeah. like, 
how that would kind of affect you as you as you watch the rest of a game that that is relatively isolated from uh, the game in which something like this takes place. I was like, if it's 325 and everyone's kind of watching it and there's a game that night and a game on Monday, like how does it affect those two games? And then obviously in the in the highlight slots, right, the the Sunday, the Monday, you know, like in some ways, maybe I mean, it's not it's not a positive, but we are taking time to reflect on it and focus on it. I mean, you think of how much of Sports Center is dominated, let alone like actual news is dominated by this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the appropriate amount of gravity. Like, again, like because of fantasy football, right, is you sometimes think of these guys as like stats almost, right, yes. or like Madden players. Um, I think even within uh, the mentality of like someone with their own team, like I remember because this guy's getting starts as a safety because of uh, injuries in the secondary. I think he was like a sixth round pick. Um, you know, I remember covering the Buffalo game. So the, the Vikings Buffalo game, the fans kind of complaining about the secondary, right? And like, unfortunately, sometimes in your mind you go, well, this guy's injured. Who steps up into his place, right? We we talked about with a very different injury, but like Austin Schlotman goes down, Chris Reed, who's not a center, has to step in or whatever. And I think the right perspective is we just have to focus on the health of this mm-hmm. guy. And I hope he comes out of it and there's, there's um, you know, we see a happy, healthy guy, you know, come out of the hospital. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's something you have to think about with entertainment. I understand it could happen in other sports. You go like Hank Gathers way back when um, a college basketball player who died on the court of cardiac arrest. To my knowledge, of course, like they're speculating a little bit, but I was watching outside the lines and they're like, there could be a pre you know, existing condition here. They also said this could be an injury that that typically is actually created with the impact of an object. So like I think brian ralston for example could hit a slap shot hard enough it hit a guy the goalie straight in the heart it could uh induce cardiac arrest Mm -hmm. so i understand other sports have hazards it just feels like because i mean this almost felt like a routine hit right if you saw the saw it in the in the moment t higgins hits him he goes down pops back up as we've seen players do 100 times and then like there's this sense of dread as he goes back down the field that's that's the anomaly right is the Mm -hmm. is the action afterwards and um, yeah, I mean, it's again, like my mind when, when you see guys get hit is what happens to their knees, their shoulders, their head, right. It's, it's just so devastating when it's the heart, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how I'll, if I'll view football differently, I understand players have been paralyzed before. There's a lot of coverage of like the 97, the, the Detroit player, 97, who, yeah. um, was injured, but, um, yeah, you just, I almost think about it all encompassing, right? How many injuries, injuries these guys sustain, how much they go through to play every day, the, the yeah. tordal shots and all this stuff. And something like this, I don't know. It just, it almost feels completely separate that you're like, oh, this could happen within a game. And it's always kind of a back of the head concern given that there's always an inherent risk to what they're doing. But, um, but yeah, I just don't, I do feel like this is going to change how people view the game. I do think people will continue to watch it or whatever, but um, it's hard to see something like that and not be affected by it. For sure. Um, I think Kevin Clark works for the ringer. He did a good write up on it. Um, Basically that you knew right away, this was different. Um, And and it's sad that in football, the way we watch it is when guys go down, when guys are on the field for a prolonged period of time, 
as they get strapped to that backboard, we're just hoping that they give a thumbs up and that we get a tweet at some point saying they have movement in all their extremities. Like if you just break down that, like what we are hoping for when we watch significant injuries, like it's pretty like, like it's become a part of, of the watching experience. Like did that guy give a thumbs up? Did we get that tweet that says they have movement in all the extremities? Like the fact that that's what we're hoping for shows how, how violent this game is. But I think that's just become part of the watching experience, part of the way you consume football. Like you said, Tom, this one was different right away. And I I just, you know, want to continue to hammer home that like whatever happens in week 18 doesn't matter. Whatever happens the rest of the year doesn't really matter. Um, And I know the NFL is going to keep going, Um, but I have a hard time, like you said, thinking about how people are going to watch games on Sunday if we don't know what's happening with this 24-year-old kid, DeMar Hamlin. Um, He's still in the hospital in Cincinnati. Uh, Honestly, like everyone has talked about the logistics of making up the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. How could you send the Bills back to Cincinnati to go play a football game at Paycor Stadium? Like whatever the NFL decides to do or whatever the Bills and the Bengals decide to do is the right decision here because – if you want to make it a tie, whatever, that's fine. If you want to just say the game didn't count, we'll go on win percentages. That's fine. Whatever. If you want to play these weekend's games and then push everything back and, and have no buy before the Super Bowl, that's fine. Um, if you don't want to play the game at all, like that's fine. Like, cause none of that really matters. Like the end result of how they make up or how they do not make up the Bills Bengals game doesn't matter because I think the only thing people are thinking about right now is DeMar Hanlon, um, and it's just going to be hard to kind of push forward in, into the, the this week ahead um, with so many unknowns surrounding that kid. Yeah, I do think there's a different mentality between playing your next game if you're one of these two teams. I think you yeah. go back to kind of the war analogy that that Ryan Clark says, or this this understanding that you can suffer a devastating injury, whether again it's like compounding concussions, yes. breaking your leg, or um at the extreme with what we saw i think to pick up a game where this happened is near impossible i mean given given the player's psyche mentality because you're naturally going to go back to that place right it's we've seen players express concern for their teammates before because there's so many injuries in the nfl you could just see the expressions on their face and and, you know what i mean it doesn't take much of kind of like body language reading to go this is just a completely separate um place they're in and again that's it's unfortunately it's appropriate. We should we should not think of this as as a typical football injury. It's not, and it's and it's potentially fatal. But um, I just don't know how you put them back in that. You're literally resetting the clock to what it was before, <clears throat> the score to what it was before. You're putting it in the same location with the same two teams. Like I just don't. I, in my mind, I don't know how <laughs> what they're gonna, if it's a tie or what they're going to do. As you said, it almost doesn't matter. I think um, the important thing is it's it like you have to think of collectively how this is going to affect all the people involved between those two teams. And I just, I think it's completely separate going to a different location, playing a different team than trying to reset something, understanding why it's being reset and played at a separate time. We are recording this Wednesday morning. Um, as of right now, eight fifty ish central time. We don't have any updates. Um, I know the last update um, I saw yesterday on Tuesday night, um, Demar Hamlin's uncle was was talking to certain media outlets, um, basically saying when he got to the hospital, he needed 100% oxygen. 
as of Tuesday night, he just needed 50% oxygen. So the, the direction was trending in the right direction. Um, we just hope, um, you know, like I said, this is Wednesday morning. I, I hope by Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, um, we hear more positive news about this kid. Um, until then, we will keep DeMar Hamlin, his family, uh, the Buffalo Bills, everyone else, anyone else associated with him in our thoughts, in our prayers. Um, and that's really all we can do right now. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Vikings travel to play the Bears in Week 18. They will be playing a game that does technically mean something still because the Vikings can get the number two seed. Um, if they win and the 49ers lose to the Cardinals this weekend, as me and Tom kind of talked about on Sunday, the Vikings can still jump up to number two. Um, obviously, the positives of that would be if the Vikings win in wildcard weekend and the 49ers win on wildcard weekend, if the Vikings are the number two seed, they would host the 49ers. That being said, Tom, like I don't think you can bank on the fact that the 49ers are going to lose to the Cardinals. I also think about injuries to the main one, Brian O'Neill. I know Austin Schlott, Schlottman is, is lost for the season. Brian O'Neill got placed on, on IR yesterday, essentially ending his too. Um, when you, when you hear someone say, when you hear coach Kevin O'Connell say significant calf injury, um, and you just think about calf injuries you've seen across sports. Um, I look at Carl Anthony towns. He's been out for mm -hmm. five weeks now with a calf injury. Um, there's a little more explosion. I think that that comes with playing basketball than playing in the trenches. But if the Vikings are willing to put Brian O'Neill on IR Tuesday afternoon, I think it's a serious enough injury where they're saying we probably won't have him um, for the foreseeable future, perhaps for the entirety of the playoff run. The injuries are concerning to me, which is why I am concerned that they're playing starters on Sunday. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell said they were, they would play mostly starters or hinted at the fact that they're going to treat this like a regular game because I get it. Like you can still get the two seed. If, if you win and, and San Francisco loses, you can get the two seed. I get the idea of establishing some momentum after getting just walloped by the green Bay Packers. I understand all of that. And I still have a lot of concerns about starters playing on that playing surface in Chicago at soldier field watching what happened when you were on a questionable playing surface at Lambeau. And as we all know, soldier fields worse. Um, that's where I'm at. I don't know where you're at, but uh, yeah, starters this weekend seems a little iffy to me. My, I mean, my mind actually, unfortunately goes first to like, how is it that these conditions exist? You True. know, like, like there's been a lot of debate about should the Vikings have used, I think it's like seven stud cleats instead of five stud cleats. Um, it's ridiculous that like this was reasonably a high level topic that had to be discussed in the post game and has been discussed since, um, throughout the week. Uh, and we saw it, I mean, even in like Washington and this, is, you know, it's not middle of the winter when they, when they played there, there's just certain fields that, and, and uh, green Bay was bad. Like Chicago is usually worse, significantly yeah. worse. We think yeah. about that mud game or like even the Monday night game. Last year, there's a lot that went wrong with that game. I'm not going to say it was a disaster game <laughs> just because of the uh, field condition, but it was weird. See, I'm, again, I'm not like a botanist, but I think the grass was dead. Like, that's why it was brown in the middle of the field, right? right. And like, you know, I, I don't know how 
a billion dollar league uh, allows that. Um, having said that, the, that's the condition they'll play in. We, we saw him just play Green Bay. I, you know, both of us, our reaction as we discussed it out um, on Monday was how, how do you play the starters at all? I understand it's it's kind of a football mindset, right? They, they think in a vacuum. It, it's literally like that you can get the two seed. You're better off. Like you're more likely to beat San Francisco at home. Uh, and therefore we're going to play to win. Um, I don't, I do worry about what this could do to the team. Like you mentioned the calf injury with Brian O'Neill, like that's completely devastating. It's hard to go from a center granted a backup one to a guard, right? <laughs> the center mm-hmm. position, you think of what would happen if cousins who's taking big hits, Jefferson, who's taking big hits, any of these Hawkinson, even, you know what I mean? Like what that would do to your playoff odds. And so, um, yeah, I don't, having said that, I think there's part of the mentality that you have to maintain this mindset of like you win the next week, right? Unless it literally does not matter. Um, and so I, I guess at this point, knowing what we know and the decisions that they've made, I'm monitoring when do you pull guys? Because that actually matters too. I don't, you could argue, I understand you're going to the fourth quarter and it's a rivalry game. And it's hard to tell cousins, Hey, we're putting in Mullins, but like you could argue it pulled cousins immediately in the fourth correct he should not have gone out for the second series i don't understand that and nor should jefferson and and again it's not just like um i mean it's primarily about them and their health but also there is some value in i mean it's not the circumstance you want but like in a game that suddenly doesn't matter right the the packers had won pretty handily um seeing what you have in osborne um a jalen naylor even Mullins, if you have to, even if it's a situation like Washington where Cousins had to go out temporarily, yeah. Knowing all that before the play, I mean, I know that's secondary, but it's it's there is some value in it. Um, and I just, yeah, it's it's, I can't, I don't know if the NFL aligned it the way they did because these are all kind of flex. They they knew San Francisco would play in a in a West Coast time slot, right? So it'd be three o'clock here. Um, I don't know if they they put the Chicago game at noon because they wanted to create stakes, right. Just for red zone and people who have Sunday ticket and you know what I mean? Or, or if it's literally like, I think the other argument is like how many people outside of Minnesota and Chicago and really outside of Minnesota care about the outcome of this game. Um, but, uh, but either way, I understand with stakes, you know, as, as we discussed it, I was like, I really don't think you should play the starters. Having said that, I understand why they are given how, football people think and i think at the end of the day this now comes what's the leash at what point do you go up high enough or down high enough or down far enough that like you just go yeah let's preserve what we have and focus on the the first round matchup yeah watching what detroit did to chicago last week you would hope that the but at no point have the season have the vikings showed that they can just blow a team out mm-hmm. but watching what detroit did to the bears last week knowing that the bears have a chance at the number one overall pick if they lose and Houston somehow wins, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't take very long for you to jump far enough ahead where as Kevin O'Connell, you can say, okay, starters did their job. We're going to win this game. Let's get them the heck out of there. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't. It probably won't. It it, it probably won't be something where the Vikings just railroad the bears through the first quarter and a half. and, And you can just throw in the backups for mop up duty you would hope that that's what you see this weekend on Sunday, especially if you're playing your starters. But as we've discussed time and time again, like they haven't shown that ability this year. Maybe that's another wrinkle to this. Maybe that's another reason. 
you want to play starters. I think me and Tom made the point when we recorded over the weekend um, after that Green Bay blowout. Like, you're not going to learn anything about the Vikings this weekend because if they win, it's like, well, that's mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do. If they lose, it's like, well, shit, we learned actually something in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's something to feeling confident. Maybe there's something to your last time stepping on a football field not being just destroyed by your biggest rival maybe that's a a small reason to to play the starters i get it stakes matter too and to your point if the vikings beat the bears everyone's going to be tuned into the the niners cardinals game you know in the afternoon slot and three o'clock slot cheering for the cardinals cheering for david blau so i get an old friend david blau maybe that's why they (laughs) Kevin O'Connell's playing 4D chess. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And letting the Cardinals, hinting the Cardinals, hey, take David Blau off the practice squad so you can knock for the 49ers off, you know, and in, in, in the final week of the regular season. No, I kid. But I get all of that. And I still, I, I still can't get behind it. Like, I, I can't. Like, I also think that as a 12 and 4 football team that should go over to 13 and 4 this week and, reached that 13 win total that me and Tom predicted three months ago. I think your backup should be able to compete with a team that is actively going to be trying to lose this weekend. The bears are not going to be trying to win the football game because they have the opportunity to get the number one overall pick. If they don't, I it's hard not to think of parallels between the two seasons. They're so different, right? You're talking about like this offensive coach who's young, who's brought a new culture. And and even though they don't put teams away at their best, the, the Vikings are really exciting. They make For exciting sure. plays. They're creative in their play calling when, again, at their best when they're not yep. in the lulls. And um, having said that, like I was thinking about this and I guess I'm kind of comparing both the green Bay and Chicago games from last year, as I was walking in Lambeau, it's a, cause it's an old stadium. Like you have to walk like a long catwalk, essentially above the concession stands in the new extension. Right. So you have the original stadium and they built around it to extend, mm-hmm. expand it. Um, I was walking through the catwalk and it was so loud, the go pack go and kind of this. And I was, I was like, absent context. This actually doesn't feel that different from from the game (laughs) last year. Right. And you roll from that and you think of how the sequencing of last year went this Rams team, which actually, you know, think of how this would affect O'Connell. That Rams team was actually like pretty bad in November. And they're, you know, think of like the trajectory they went on. Mm -hmm. The Rams essentially eliminated the Vikings, but the Packers like put the final nail in the coffin. Yep. And then, and then you had this meaningless Chicago game where Zimmer played the starters, didn't get Justin Jefferson the record, and also won the game, which did not help Minnesota's draft stock, right? Which I guess, he, what does he care? kind of knew he was gone. But um, but I think it's it's a very different circumstance given how many wins the, the Vikings have had. Um, but, like, you can't have your worst-case scenario here. Like, you can't play the starters, have someone get injured, lose the game. You know what I mean? Like, Chicago needs that number one pick. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I understand, like, kind of saying the same thing. Like, it's, pro- it's probably going to be short leash for the starters or whatever. But if, any, if there's any time that it's actually a necessity, right? In some ways, it almost felt like a, a vanity thing where it's like, hey, could you just put someone out of their misery just to show you can do it to entertain fans? to like beef up your point differential. So you're not sitting at like minus 19 with a 12 point record or whatever, but like this actually becomes a function of the game, right? It's, it's go out and do your job because I do think the mentality matters going to like think of like the, the Packers or whatever the Vikings in the Packers locker room after both losses the last two years, mm-hmm. 
two years ago, it was Zimmer losing it and questioning a reporter's job security. And, you know, like basically just two birds to the fans or whatever. And, you know, Patrick Peterson trying to defend Zimmer and Conklin, who was probably like, I'm out of here, out of here. Right. <laughs> you know, like being like, why do I have to talk to you guys? You know, it's kind of yeah. this, this day, you know, and granted we couldn't go in the lo- in the actual locker room because of COVID two years ago, but like, Last year it was more measured. It's like this is what we did wrong. The, you know what I mean? It was it was more like almost analytical. The players yeah. were upset about the result, but it wasn't this like complete catastrophe where where the the sky is falling. Yeah, and I think I do I do think the sh- again Zimmer fired and and they went through the search and stuff pretty immediately. But like the mentality around the team was terrible after that uh, the Chicago win. Ironically, right? It was it was. Why didn't Jeff- Jefferson get the record? Why did they play the starters? Why, you know, this, this, mm-hmm. this. And uh, um, I do think you have to make a final impression. If you're going to play the starters, right? If, if you just see this game, it's different. But, like, if you're, you have to make a final impression. And the best impression you can make is we took care of business right away. We got the backups in there. We got out of there unscathed. Yep. And we'll do this again against, you know, the Giants. Again, unless David Paul beats the Niners, which I'm assuming is going to happen. So we're going to do it against against the Giants and actually give people a reason to think you can have a different outcome, right? Instead of making it a one-score game, instead of tempting fate, right? Um, and literally kind of, uh, you know, regression would literally suggest just because you did it once, if you if you make it a one-score game, you might be on the wrong side. Give people a reason to believe, like, you'll just go beat a team that you're superior to, even though Dable's a good coach and all that. So this is one of the first times, instead of a vanity play or whatever, with blow out a team it's it's literally a necessity saying like that's actually an outcome you kind of need given the circumstances of this game for sure there is it's weird that we have so much to talk about with this game considering (laughs) the vikings won the north three weeks ago Um, the bears are a team like we've said time and time again that will be trying to lose yet we have a lot of there's a lot of talking points involved in this game coming up Sunday at noon in Chicago. Uh, We'll touch more on that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. If you like what you're hearing, give us a listen. Inside Purple and Gold, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're also on the Odyssey app. This is an Odyssey podcast, so Inside Purple and Gold. If you're following us, you don't even have to look. It'll pop up on your phone as soon as our great producer, Spencer, cuts up the audio, makes us sound good, and drops it into the feed. So make sure you're following us. Make sure you're giving us a rating and review, too. That helps. Touched on the injuries a little bit in segment two. Brian O'Neill, IR. So the right tackle, gone. Austin Schlotman, IR. Backup center, gone. Garrett Bradbury, still struggling through his back injury. I know he, he suffered an injury in game and then got into a car accident, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that kind of exacerbated, you know, the lower back injury that he's battling with. The hope is that he's ready for the playoffs. That's not a guarantee. Yesterday, the Vikings went out and signed Greg Mance um, journeyman center. I think he's has 32 starts under his belt. They did that because of Chris Reed looking out of sorts and, it's not Chris Reed's fault. He hasn't played all year. He doesn't play center. He got thrown into kind of the fire the other day when Austin Slotman goes down very early and he didn't perform well, but like, what are you, what do you expect out of a guy who's a third string guard who's now playing center? He probably won't start this week. I would imagine the signing of Greg Mance 
pushes him to be someone you're trying to kind of fit into that whole just in case Garrett Bradbury can't go. Uh, but Tom, the fact that we're talking about Greg Mance and who the heck's going to start at right tackle, is it going to be Ole Udo? I don't know who it's yeah. going to be. Like the fact that we're talking about all of that, that's concerning to me heading into the playoffs because we all know Justin Jefferson's great. Dalvin Cook, huh, he wasn't so great last week, but it's because yeah. the plays were getting blown up in the backfield. Out of all the weapons they have on offense, if the line can't hold a block, none of it matters. Yeah. I The funny thing about Chris Reed is he actually, as a blocker, was significantly better than Bradbury. But you could tell like that he's a he's a backup who's not supposed to be playing center. Um, yeah. yeah. In some ways, you know, like he could have been a bigger story. I understand like there, there's some loss there, right. Going from backup center to, to moving him over to center. But like, I actually think he probably held his own fine. Again, I don't know fully how to evaluate that because the old line is kind of a different animal, but like, you get, give it, you think about it being in Lambeau field, you know what I mean? In like in all this sequencing and like, yeah, I mean, it, having said that, Max, I'm just looking up kind of on the fly here. He actually, I'm assuming he's an undrafted player out of Toledo. I don't see, I don't see a uh, draft next to his name. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, 15 uh, made three starts for Houston. 16 uh, made made 16 starts, but then they list him in 17 as a right tackle. That's not a great sign for a center. <laughs> Um, and then, and then uh, 16 starts in 18 uh, for Houston. He was with Houston until 2029. I'd have to think like Houston was probably not great for most of that time. But again, if you looked at it in isolation, you'd be like, hey, pretty good for an undrafted guy out of Toledo. He played for Miami in 21. And then he's listed as an offensive lineman with one one game um, under his belt with uh, Buffalo this year. Um, I mean, this is not. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, th- this is not kind of the the game plan. And I think you go like, how is Chris Reed the guy who's who's snapping the ball? It's because like this is break cl- glass in case of emergency, bringing in a, a center like this. So, um, I mean, we talked a lot about, and you know, we've talked all season about how injuries will affect the team, how many injuries there are in the NFL. It's just such a it's because it's literally like the first thing that happens on a play. Um, it's very hard to cover for this guy, right? It's always hard if it's a tackle, right? Yep. Um, it's 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 obviously we know how different the Vikings would look if if a guy like Jefferson went down or, or Cousins did. But um, you know, I think of how much trouble they've had in general with their offensive line. Like, think of Cousins. I think he tripped twice over Ed Ingram, yep. and there's been so much focus on Ed Ingram given he was um, drafted this year and thrown right into the fire and, and was kind of the weak link on the chain being the, the youngest player and least experienced. But um, I mean, yeah, I just, that exchange is so important. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it, it goes back to like, how are they playing under those field conditions? But also like what it, sometimes, sometimes like, I don't know what a team would do. You know what I mean? There's not yeah. much you can do if the starting quarterback goes down your star receiver. I mean, we saw even with like Harrison Smith, right. the neck injury, how Detroit yep. just preyed on that situation. So um, some of this is unfortunate luck. I know it's the next man up in, in football. I, you know, I think if it was a different point in the season, you just chalk it up to adversity. How do they adjust? It's just, this is such, you're in the crucible, obviously not the Chicago game specifically, but entering the playoffs. Um, 
I mean, I guess you talk about what do we learn about the team? We'll learn how they adjust and next man up and when things aren't going well, because no matter what the Vikings have done and they've taken so many precautions to keep their players safe, right? You talk about 11 padded practice of the 16 year allowed yep. before the season starts. You talk about how they, you know, they've kind of emphasized this. They're using advanced medicine and there's rest days. And we're only doing a walkthrough on this Wednesday. Cause we played, you know, whatever, like a, a Monday night game or um, even like the players felt a chart and it, they're trying to be as specific as possible and the degree to which they're injured. Right. Cause they understand like every player is hurt in some capacity. Right. And it's, and it's what part of your body, what's the pain tolerance? How does this affect your play? Yes. Um, and I just, again, I think the Vikings have done a really good job about of taking care of their players, uh, the treatment and, and, um, and, and when they play and all this stuff and, and it's, it's just it's be unfortunate in every situation, but it's really unfortunate. Again, you're like bringing this guy in who he's going to be introducing himself to to yeah. everybody and then, go, you know, and, and whatever. So I again, I think he can get the job done functionally. I think it's um, given we know how disruptive um, and kind of you're playing Chicago, but like uh, how disruptive uh, teams have been that can get to cousins. You're just accentuating this this weakness that that teams with a good front four figured out is nearly fatal for the Vikings. So yeah, I not much more to say other than that. Like it's really unfortunate when you're center and then on top of that, O'Neal go down in this game. Yeah. And it is worth noting that like Garrett Bradbury has been trending towards at least some sort of progress. in, in as far as his lower back injury goes, I don't know if he's going to be available for the playoffs. I don't know if the Vikings even know if he's going to be available for the playoffs. I, I think the hope is that like you can give him one more week. Um, I know you're stuck. You're playing your starters this week in Chicago, but if you say, Hey Garrett, take a little bit of more time. Like we need you for next Sunday when we're hosting the giants. Um, I think your hope is that you keep your fingers crossed and that he's ready and that you just see this week whether it's Chris Reed, whether it's Greg Mance, okay, this is what it could look like if Garrett can't go for the for, for wild card weekend. I, I don't think Garrett's going to play this weekend, but I think the hope is that he can play week one of the playoffs. A, a guy that we are pretty sure is going to play this weekend, unless Kevin O'Connell has a change of heart in the next three days, is Justin Jefferson. And... He's 193 yards away from Calvin Johnson now. Did not get much closer. You know, he had 15 yards, one catch for 15 yards against Green Bay. So he went from being 208 yards away to now being 193 yards away. He could do it conceivably. Like I, we've seen him pop off for, for big games. Um, the only concern I would have is that like, if Justin Jefferson breaks Calvin Johnson's record, it's because he played the whole game. And I don't think he should play the whole game. I would hope that either you reach a point in the first or second half where you, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you say like, okay, we are far enough ahead. Let's get these guys out of here. Or you say it's close, but I'm not taking any more chances. Our starters got their chance to feel good about themselves, to get back on track after the green Bay game it's a three point game. It's a tie game, whatever it is. I'm taking the starters out. I can't risk anything. Um, so could Justin Jefferson catch Calvin Johnson this week? Yes. Should he be in a position to do that in the slightest? Like, no, he shouldn't. Um, so 
I guess if he has just this amazing first half and gets loose for three big gains and is within striking distance, you could argue that that he should get the chance to go after it. Um, we're we're still early in Justin Jefferson's career. I think if he got close this year, there's no reason he can't get close next year and the year after that and the year after that. Um, let's look big picture here. I don't know where are you at with that, Tom. Like, would you let him chase it, or <laughs> is it time to just put these guys in bubble it's, wrap and, and it's, it's and such move a- on? It, you know, I just feel so differently than last year. Last year, I felt totally. like we didn't play the starter. Listen, I would have been – I think it would have been justified, actually, if they didn't play the starters in the Chicago game last year, both for the – the um, to get a better pick, like essentially trying to lose the game, um, but also, like, you just don't want an injury that could potentially affect the next season. I un- understand that's a long <laughs> – period of time but it's not it's not inconceivable that that could happen mm-hmm. um but it's like so long as you're playing them that should be one of the main objectives right correct um and also like you think of the 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 narrative around it that jefferson in chicago like randy moss was calling that game justin jefferson as he's done before is wearing a randy moss shirt and moss goes up to him and says hey you made the pro Bowl." that was like the highlight of the game like i'm not even yeah. exaggerating that game sucked so much yeah. but like you know, you would have had some parallel, I guess, at the end of the season there. Um, this just feels different. Like, he already broke Ross Moss's record, and he did it in such a way that it, it kind of, like, highlighted how special he is. Like, it, we talked about it when it happened, but it literally just, like, showed up on the scoreboard briefly and then, yeah. like, went away. And then they had to, like, reintroduce it a couple times, being like, hey, he broke the record, you know? And yeah. I think – he. you mentioned this. He has time. I think something we have to remember, too, because you can look at the – 15 yard game here and the 14 yard game against Detroit. And, you know, like obviously the, the Dallas disaster, I think it's trouble in Philadelphia. Like he's still not in his prime. I mean, it's bonkers, but he's not like he, you know what I mean? Like there's still probably another gear. And like, the other thing is this team, we're talking about a first year head coach and a new regime and all this stuff. There's a lot they've done well with the offense. Um, Probably the masterpiece is actually the the Patriots game. I know the Patriots aren't what they once were, but that's still Belichick trying to take them out of the game and couldn't yep. um, on a short week. But like I think there's also learns for them on how to beat you know when you have double triple team and stuff like that. So um, just because he doesn't get it now doesn't mean he won't later. Um, you don't want to take anything for granted in the NFL, but like if, if there's any player to trust, it's Justin Jefferson. And then also like we just know the caveat, right? It's that there is obviously the added stress of playing all the games that they have to play now the extra game, but like, but he's not breaking it in the same way Calvin Johnson did. You know what I mean? And I just, it's not that important that you'd risk his health when you need him in the playoffs. By the way, he'd say that. I remember asking about 2000 yards trying to think when that was a couple of weeks ago. And he, you know, he kind of does the Justin Jefferson answer where he's like, yeah, it'd be cool. But, uh, but I do want to just win these games. And you, you kind of almost take him at his word that he's like, yeah, he, he would be cool and kind of casual about breaking someone's record as he kind of was with Randy Moss. But I think he ultimately, he's happy now because of 12 wins that, that, you know, and he understands he's a big part of that and he's, and he probably needs to be for, for his own sake. But like, um, but, you know, I, I get the impression, like, you could probably talk him into, if you're coaching him and he had any qualms, you could be like, hey, we just need to show up against New York, you know, assuming that's the game they play in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it just, you're right, though. It feels so much different than last year. It was like, last year, heading into the final week, game's meaningless, not going to make the playoffs. There's one good thing that can happen here. Justin Jefferson can get a chance at breaking the record, can pass Randy Moss with Randy Moss in the building. This year, you're literally looking ahead to an important game next week. I, I know Justin Jefferson, he like 
he does. He cares about where he stands on like the pantheon of great receivers in the league currently and in the league of all time. But that dude understands more like how important he is to the Vikings right now on a week to week basis. So I do not think there is a world in which Justin Jefferson will be upset if he is 50 yards. Say he has an incredible first half like he did against Detroit or like if he's within striking distance of, of Randy or of, of Calvin Johnson, I'm sorry. And Kevin O'Connell says, you're done for the day. We need you next week. I don't think Justin Jefferson's going to care. I think the rhetoric after the game might be similar to what it was last year when he just said, yeah, that's okay. I'll just break Randy's record next year. (laughs) And then he did Um, to your point, Tom, he's 23 years old. He's not in his prime, which is crazy to think about. Like, Knock on wood that he's healthy for the duration of his career. Mm -hmm. He's only going to ascend. This is the first year in an offense, like you said, with Kevin O'Connell. At the beginning of the year, back in February when O'Connell was hired, everyone thought about Cooper Cup and what he did last year and how Justin Jefferson would look in that role. He looks pretty good in it. He'll look even better next year. There's no reason to get cute, to get silly here. If they weren't going for, if they're, if the Vikings were a 500 team and, dropped out of the playoffs last week and had nothing to play for this week. Yeah. I, I could entertain just forcing him the ball and, and, and letting him try to get 193 and pass Calvin shit, throw him the ball enough that maybe he can get to 2000. Mm-hmm. None of it's worth it anymore. Um, I, you know how I feel. I, I wouldn't play him at all. I'd say yeah, so yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but I think even Kevin O'Connell knowing that they're playing the starters this week, will still have a short leash with him as they absolutely should. There's a lot of good days to come ahead for Justin Jefferson, for the Vikings, um, including later this year, good days to come. Like you're going to be hosting a playoff game in approximately 12 days. So no reason to risk it um, more than necessary this Sunday in Chicago. Yeah, no, I agree. I For, for once, the NFL could schedule the Bears like some other point in the season because right. this actually would be a fun like hey jefferson could go for like 250 you know what i mean or whatever yeah. this was somewhere i you know i don't know i i understand like the schedulers have a, a unique task and what they do i'd much rather see green bay late or how detroit to be honest yeah. and so hey nfl schedulers let, let's throw this out like the week 15 you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> like let let Jesse jefferson cook because he really shouldn't in this game but yeah. um yeah, little control the Vikings have over that. And and honestly, it's it's more important if, if you're Justin Jefferson, the mindset has to be how do I cook the the team they play in the playoffs if it's New York or somewhere else? And I to my guess is that's more important to have anyways. For sure. We'll leave it there. When we come back later this week, uh, we'll be sitting down with someone from the Chicago Bears to talk about what has been a disastrous season there. Um in the meantime, thanks for stopping by today. Make sure you're tuning in Sunday. Me and Tom will come at you after that game. Tom's going to Chicago um, for this game. I don't know why, but yes. We're not resting our starters this week. <laughs> so Tom will be there um, for a game that does not very much matter. But Vikings play at, at noon on Sunday. Niners play at the, in the 3 o'clock hour on Sunday. And then Packers line Sunday night. So it will be a game that will have a lot of talking points coming out of it, probably even more talking points the day that follows. So we'll be back. I'll be back with the Chicago writer this week. Me and Tom will be back over the weekend. 
Thank you for listening to Inside Purple and Gold. Once again, our thoughts and prayers go out to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Um, Hopefully we got good news coming down the chute here.